We can't wait to have Christmas Eve. I can't wait to get everybody in the house again. It's going to be a lot of fun. And if you can't make it, it is going to be on TV. It's going to be streaming as well. We hope that you'll take some time this Christmas and celebrate the real reason for the season. For all of the Christmas Eve times, all you got to do is go to the Sagebrush app or go to our website. All of our campuses are represented. We would love to have you be here or at least check us out on TV and worship with us uh, from home as well. Couldn't do Christmas Eve last year, but we get to do it this year, and I'm pretty excited about that. Aren't you excited about that? I'm so thrilled about that. And then I want to make mention one more time, because I talked about it last week, but not all, not all of you come every week. Not all, not all of you watch every week. So I, I want to give you an opportunity that we have a, a Sagebrush Academy of Leadership Trains called SALT. And uh, we're offering three courses starting in January. It's only $50 per course. You can check out these courses online. Not a problem at all. Uh, you can see them online if you're in Florida, California, Nebraska, wherever you're at. If you want to be a part of one of these online classes, we'll give you the opportunity to do so. If you want to know more about the Old Testament, practical Christian theology, practical Christian ministry, this is your opportunity. If you're looking for a job at Sagebrush at some point in time, we kind of look at these folks right here that are in our classes. The cream kind of rises to the top. We offer people jobs. So if you're interested in something like that, hey, here's an opportunity. If you just want to dive deeper in God's Word, you say, there's no way I'd ever work for a church. You can still sign up, all right? Because we would love to have you be a part of that uh, as well. All right, let's get into the message today. I brought with me a basket, and this basket represents pretty much what you spend your time with every single day. So, so we start off here, we, we have a computer. And I know you're very familiar with the computer. Probably spend a lot of time in your day on a computer. If you go to school, you spend a lot of time on the computer. If you have a job where a computer is necessary, spend a lot of time looking at that light. Then you got this calculator here because you have a lot of time to look at your bills and to pay your bills as well. Then we got a scrubber right here because there's lots of housekeeping chores that need to be done, lots of dishes that need to be done as well. Then we have an air freshener. This is for all the men in the room, because you spend an enormous amount of time in the bathroom, don't you? Yeah, we're but a mist. Okay, anyway, all that, right? And some of you need to learn what this is when you're in the bathroom, okay? That'd be helpful as well. Got a Bible here because your Bible represents your time alone with God. I know that you're spending time with God every day. Got a TV remote, spent a lot of time streaming, watching TV. Of course, we have the phone. Do you remember a few years ago they came out with that screen time thing that would tell you how much screen time you were doing per day? Yeah, I turned that thing off immediately. I'll tell you that right now. I didn't want to know about that. We, we, we got a, a, a time to eat. Right? Some of you haven't seen this during the Christmas season. This is an apple. That's what that is. That's healthy eating right there. Got a baseball for time that you spend in recreational activities with your kids. Got a diaper for the time that you spend with your kids just taking care of your kids. That's a lot of stuff right there. And, and, and boy, I tell you what, you can end up with a very full basket. Well, let's say that your basket is extremely full like this basket is, and a friend of yours comes up to you and says, hey, man, I have this opportunity that I think that you would be wonderful for. I always love it when my friends have work for me to do. I love that. That's my favorite thing. So I think you'd be great at doing this particular activity. And you think to yourself, you know, I love that activity. And I would love to be a part of that. But my goodness, my schedule is unbelievably busy. 
So you know as well as I do that when you say yes to something, you have to take something out. So you say, well, okay, maybe, maybe some of the time I care for my kids, I'll, uh, I'll just, uh, yeah, get rid of that. And so I still have lots of time with them, but not all the time that I, and they'll never notice. They'll never notice that I've done that, you see. Well, a couple of weeks goes by with your brand new schedule. It seems to be working out okay for you. And that same friend comes up to you again and says, man, I was at church the other day and I found something significant that I think God wants you to do. Again, I would get rid of this friend as fast as I could. But he comes to you and says, hey, I think you should do it. And you think, you know what? I've always wanted to make a difference with my one shot at life, but you got to take something out. So you think, well, I'll take the Bible out. You know, my time that I spend reading God's word, the time I spend praying to God, this is a religious activity, so it's kind of a one for one. See, these are the kinds of choices you have to make every day, isn't it? That's why this whole scheduling thing can get out of control really quickly. These are hard choices for us to make. Because for the most part, you're not choosing between what's wrong and what's right. I mean, most of us aren't staggering in late at night drunk, correct? Right? (laughs) You're coming home staggering tired from all that you have to do, right? That's that's the way this works. So we got to be careful how we spend our life because not everything is of equal value. Not everything is of equal significance. There's this passage of scripture in Luke chapter 10. Jesus is going over to these sisters' houses. Their names are Mary and Martha. they got a brother named Lazarus. Martha has invited Jesus and the disciples to come over for a little supper. Let's look at the passage of scripture together. The Bible says in Luke 10 verse 38, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him, that's Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sisters left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it won't be taken away from her. So what's this passage of scripture all about? Not everything is of equal value. Not everything is of equal importance. Can you imagine the scene in your mind? Uh, Martha says, hey, Jesus, you and the disciples ought to come over, have some supper with us. We'd love to have you. And Jesus says, I'd be great. We'll come over. So now you have 13 men that you have to feed. And so Martha's thinking all along that Mary's going to lend a hand, that Mary's going to help a sister out, right? But Mary's not interested because Jesus is in the living room and Jesus begins to teach and Mary isn't going to miss that. But Martha, she's in the kitchen, and she's making all the preparations, and she's wondering, where in the world is my sister? So she keeps walking by and looking through the doorway into the living room, and she sees Mary sitting there very patiently listening to Jesus. Well, she gets really mad. She gets really upset. And every time she walks by the opening, she kind of looks at Mary, and Mary kind of glances over at Martha, and Martha gives her the snake eye, like, what? Come here and help me now. You know, that's what happened, right? Well, she can't get Mary to get up, can't get Mary to come. So Martha's mad. And so she's a very mature adult. So she, she goes and she tells on Mary to Jesus. That's what she does. 
She says, Jesus, tell my sister to help me. And then we have this famous statement where Jesus says, Martha, Martha, Martha. Some of you Brady Bunch fans enjoyed that one right there. Martha, Martha, Martha. Your sister has chose what is better. And it won't be taken away from her. See, there's just not everything in your schedule is of equal value. So kind of the principle here is uh, seeking God is more important than serving God. Now, I don't want you to take that too far because I, I taught this principle years ago and it was so funny. We had a bunch of people quit all the volunteer positions. They're like, I'm not seeking God, man, so I can't serve God. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you can still seek God and serve God. But in God's economy, seeking him is more important than serving him. But see, some people don't get it. They, they, don't, they don't get all this thing. They don't understand that not everything is of, uh, is it of equal value. And so what we do is we fill our, our baskets up thinking everything is the same. Everything has equal value. We don't weigh these options out. And as a result, we end up running with our heads like a, a chicken with a head cut off. I was reading a book by uh, Mike Ancanelli called Messy Spirituality. And he went to this middle school track meet. He was going to see his kids run. And it wasn't their event yet. So he's sitting in the stands and he's watching the 1,500-meter race. He ran around the track several times for the 1,500-meter race. And there was a real close race for first place. Two kids were just vying back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for first and second place. And when they crossed the finish line, there was a great crescendo of applause. And then back about, I don't know, 20, 30 yards was another little pack of everybody vying for third place. And there was four or five different individuals trying to get third place. And when they crossed the finish line, boy, the people got really excited. But off into the distance, about 50 yards back, was a portly 7th grade kid who looked like he had a cherry face because he couldn't get enough oxygen up to his brain because he was huffing and puffing so bad. And he was giving it everything he had. Well, everybody had crossed the finish line, and now all the attention was toward this kid who's in last place. It was in that Mike realized that he was sitting next to the little boy's mom. The mom stood up, walked down to the railing, and screamed, Run faster, Johnny! Run faster! If looks could have killed, Johnny's mom would have been dead right there on the spot because Johnny looked up in the stands, spotted his mom, and looked at her as if to say, Mom, I'm running as fast as I can. Is that where you're at today? You running just as fast as you can. You're running over here and you're running over there. And you got all these things that you've got to get done. Let me ask you a question. Are you busy today? You say that's the most stupid question you could ever ask me, Todd. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Of course I'm busy. There's presents to buy and presents to wrap. There's cookies to bake. There's shopping to be done. There's parties to attend. There's school functions to go to. Am I busy? Yes. You're lucky I'm even here. I always feel sorry for the moms on Christmas Day. After you've already wrapped everything, stuck everything under the tree, now you get to make that big meal as well. You're so fortunate, aren't you? Isn't that great? Too many of us have too much Johnny behavior. My question is this. Are you, are you sick of it? Are you tired of being anxious all the time? You tired of being stressed out? 
You're tired of always having some place to go and someone to talk to and something that needs to be done and everything being revolving around you because you probably filled your basket just a little bit too full. Because somewhere along the way, you thought everything had equal value, equal importance, and you needed to say yes to everything. Would you like to enjoy this season? Would you like to really have some time to even reflect upon what the season is all about? Or you just want to rush and rush and rush and rush? You say, I'm tired, Todd. I am so tired. It's not just Christmas season. It's my life in general. And I'm exhausted. I'm fatigued. I come home and I am absolutely tired. I don't want to engage with my family. I don't want to do anything else but veg out. Oh, yeah, I want some balance in my life. Well, if that's you, you've come to the right place and you've tuned into the right channel because I can help you. But i got to warn you, the things I'm going to ask you to do are going to take some time. That means you're going to have to push everything else aside to do this homework and focus on these things, this assignment that I want to give you. And I'm going to ask you to look at this assignment with gut-level honesty in a manner in which maybe you've never looked at your life and what you're giving your life to before. But if you evaluate these two things, you'll have more balance, You'll have more time with your family, and you'll make a greater impact for the kingdom of God than you ever have before. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? So you say, okay, what do I need to do, Todd? Well, here's your homework assignment if you choose to accept it. First thing is, go home and evaluate what is important. Now, here's what's interesting about this one. Most of us don't know what's important. You think something's important. And you put all your energy and effort into that because you think it's important, but God doesn't think it's important. So if you won't get honest and look at this through the lens of Scripture, you'll continue to do the things you've always done, thinking things are of great importance, when in reality, they're not of any great importance at all. And you'll end up giving your life to things that didn't matter to things that didn't last because you deceived yourself to believing that there are some things that are important but really aren't important. You've conned yourself. You've believed what society has told you about what's worth giving your life to. And that's why you run over here and you run over there and you run over here and you run over there. Why do we do it? To keep up with everybody else. And it's speed versus your soul, friends. Your soul will never be developed on speed. You will never develop a close relationship with God running just as fast as you can. The Bible says in Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. So here's the first question you ask yourself as you're evaluating what's important. What's worth giving my life to? Write that down if you're taking notes. What's worth giving your life to? Is the gymnastics team that your child's involved in worth giving your life to? The basketball team that your son is on worth giving your life to? The baseball team, the soccer team, whatever it may be, whatever activity, is it worthy of giving your life to it? Because when you give your time to something, you're giving your life to that thing. Now, here's what's interesting. God knew we have a problem with this. God knew we'd have a hard time figuring out what was really important versus what's really important. 
And so God kind of spells out to us what's the most important things that we should give our life to. Now, the problem is, is that sometimes we don't buy into it. We don't believe what God's word says. At least we don't live like we believe what God's word says. So what's worth giving your life to? Well, this is the words of Jesus. Matthew 6, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, doing the things that God would have you to do, and then everything else will be given to you as well. See, the most important thing you can do is give your life over to the Lord and then spend time with him every single day. And not just 10, 15 minutes. I mean, walk with him, talk with him, do life together with him every single day. He's the most important relationship in your life. And so you want to spend as much time as you can to develop that relationship with the Lord. Shouldn't that be the most important thing? So the question is, is that the most important thing in your life? And for some of us, if we're honest, we'd have to say no. And that's why we're chasing the wind. That's why we're like a dog chasing our tail. We're going over here and we're going over here. And all we're doing is going around in circles just as fast as we can because we're not spending our effort and our energy on the things that God would have us to do. It's when we spend time in the word of God that he shows us what's important. Like he shows us that love's more important than loot. Right? That people are more important than power. That grace is more important than greed. If I said this once, I'll say it a thousand times. When you put your head on your pillow at night to go to sleep, you'll know if you had a good day or not a good day by two little litmus tests. Do I love God more now than I did this morning? And do I love others more now than I did this morning? Because it gets right down to it, those two things are the most important things on the face of the earth. Those are the two things that are worth giving your life to. Look at this, Ephesians chapter five, verse 15 says, be careful how you live. He's saying, hey, don't get to the end of your life with great regret because you wasted it. You wasted it on sideways energy. You wasted it on things that didn't matter. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. God says, let's, let's be intelligent about this. Why do you think God puts you on this earth? It was his plan and his purpose for you to pursue money or fame or power or position? No, he wanted you to have a relationship with him. And he wanted you to love other people deeply. You remember when the religious leader came to Jesus and he said, you know, what good thing must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, how do you read it? We talked about it last week. And, he, and, and so the guy came back and says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second is like it, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus in Matthew 22, he says the exact same thing. So that religious leader heard that from Jesus from probably weeks or months before. Most important thing, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Is that the most important thing to you? And then love your neighbor as yourself. Love other people. Leave other people in better shape than the way that you found them. That's what we're supposed to give our life to. You say, oh, I agree with that, Todd. That makes complete sense, but I'm a very busy person, and there's lots of people that want me to do lots of different things, and I'm running over here, and I'm running over here, and i got to do this, and i got to do that. You know, that's just the way it is. It's not just loving God and loving others. Oh, yes, it is. Jesus was a very busy person, wasn't he? 
There were all kinds of people that wanted to pull on him and say, hey, come over here and hey, do this over here. There were people that wanted him to heal them. People that wanted them to teach them. People that wanted to make Jesus their earthly king and set up a, a rule against the Romans. Jesus said no to all that stuff. So here's the question. How did he keep his focus correct? How did he make sure that he made the most important thing the most important thing? Well, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Because you'll be hard-pressed to read a single chapter of those four Gospels, the good news of Jesus, where he's not getting away with God. Where he's not seeking God, where he's not praying to God. Look, look at this one, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So here we have Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, spending time seeking the face of God, making certain he's in the center of the will of God. Why did he need to do it? Because he didn't want to have a misstep. He wanted to make certain that he was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. Now, here's the implication. If the Son of God saw the necessity to do this, whew, how much more do you and I need to be doing this? But we don't, we don't see that as important. That what's on the phone's more important, or what's on the computer is more important, or what's on TV is more important, or getting our kid to this, or getting our kid to that, and running over here, and running over there, and overcommitting our... You got to evaluate. I've got to evaluate what is important. What's worth giving my life to? We need to pray this prayer in Psalm 119, verse 37. God, turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Hey, God, I understand not everything is of equal value. Not everything is of equal importance. The world's value system is completely different from what you say I should give my life to. I understand a little better why I'm so stressed out, why I'm so anxious all the time. I've not made the most important things, the true most important things, the most important things in my life. So show me, Lord. Turn my eyes away from the worthless things that aren't going to help me be the person that you want me to be. Wouldn't we all agree that life is too short to spend it watching inferior TV or reading inferior books or going to inferior movies? There's balance with all of this stuff. But God, teach me to turn my eyes away from things that just don't count. Things that don't matter. Here's a good question you should ask yourself. Is what I'm doing right now going to matter 10 years from now? And if it doesn't, then why are you doing it? You see, that would eliminate a whole lot of activity that I always call sideways energy. Because sideways energy never gets you anywhere. All right, that's the first part. Are you staying with me? You seem a little angry with me right now. Everybody okay? Let me give you the second thing. This is hard. It's very hard. You've got to eliminate what's not important. What, what I mean by that is you've got to learn to say no. How many of you have a hard time saying no? Just raise your hand up real high. Let me see. Anybody have a hard time saying no? Put them on. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. That's good news for me because I'm asking for money today. So that's <laughs> excited about that. A lot of people have a hard time saying no. Uh, my wife kind of has a hard time saying no. She's, she's a people pleaser. She has to please everybody. And every request, she feels like, well, someone asked me to do it. It's an honor. I need to do it. And she forgets about her basket, and her basket gets over, overwhelmed. And so she's running over here, and she's running over there, and she's stressed out, and she's yelling at me, and I don't like it. You understand what I'm saying? 
Why do we always say yes? Well, for the people pleaser, they don't want to let anybody else down. And because of insecurity, because they're afraid if they do say no, that that person's going to be mad at them and never be their friend again, they will automatically say yes. Because their self-esteem is wrapped up in pleasing other people. But their souls are parched. They're absolutely exhausted. They haven't spent any time with God in a long time. They can't think of the last time they really got on their knees and prayed to God. They feel so empty inside. You ever hear the old saying, God has a wonderful plan for your life and so does everybody else. And that's what you got to decide. Am I going to do God's plan for my life or am I going to do what everybody else wants me to do? Because if I'm doing what everybody else wants me to do, I can promise you this, I'm not probably doing exactly what God wants me to do. You've got to learn the art of saying no. Ephesians 5 says, make the most of every opportunity. Let me give you another translation of that. Make the best use of your time. That's what that means. Make the best use of your time. Because again, the issue for you isn't between what's wrong and what's right. For the most of us, that's not the issue. It's between what's good and what's best. And that's why these decisions are so difficult. So I've put in the uh, program notes today, and I hope you'll write these down. Five questions you should ask yourself before you say yes to something. Number one is this. Do I really understand this commitment? I mean, how much time is this going to take? How long is this going to take? Is this a commitment that I'm making that's going to last for the rest of my life? I think it's important for you to know that before you say yes. How about this one? How does this fit in my current goals and priorities? Because I'm sure you have goals, I'm sure you have priorities, things that you want to accomplish, things that you want to do, things that you believe are important. Does this support that? Or does this take you a different direction? Number three, do I have time, energy, and resources? Is my basket already too full? And if my basket's too full, what am I going to get rid of? What am I going to eliminate? How about this one? What impact will this have on me in a year, or in five years, or in ten years for eternity? Is this worth giving my life to? Does this matter to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? And how about this one? How will it impact those I love? Who will it help? Who will it hurt? It's the good things in life that are robbing us of the best life possible. Let me say that again. It's the good things in life that are robbing us of the best life possible. Now, how do I know that? Because I used to live that way. Years ago, um, shockingly enough, there were a lot of people that wanted me to come speak at their events. If you're an old-time sagebrusher, you know I've told this story before. I was running over here, running over there. I was all over the country, at least two, three times a month, and holding down a full-time job as a student pastor. I, I was burning the candle at both ends, and he who burns the candle at both ends isn't as bright as he thinks he is. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'd have two days off, and so I'd fly somewhere, and I'd speak. Sometimes I'd bring my wife and my newborn baby. Sometimes I would leave them home alone because I had things to do. I had people to see. I mean, God had called me to this, and he had gifted me to do this, and no one else could do this but me. God was sending me in. <laughs> I had such an issue with pride. Well, here's, here's the fun thing about speaking on the road. You ready for what it is? You, you fly in. They pick you up. They drop you off at a hotel, and you sit there. And if you're lucky, they have a food place nearby, and you get some food, and you eat alone. 
You watch TV alone. You look over your notes alone. They finally pick you up right before the event. They drive you to the event. You do the event. Then right afterwards, guess where you go back? Back to the hotel where you're alone. Back to the shower that's down like this. The bed that's not very comfortable. The pillows that don't fit your head. You make a phone call when you get done with your little speaking engagement because your wife wants to hear from you. So you call her on the phone and she said, well, how'd it go? I said, well, it was great. Fifteen kids give their lives to Christ. She said, well, that's fantastic. That's wonderful. Well, you do that for about eight, nine months. You say, well, Todd, that's, that's valuable. A lot of kids gave their lives to Jesus as a result of that. Yeah, but I, uh, I remember standing in my student ministry and looking out at my, my wife and not knowing who she was. And knowing that we hadn't gone out, we hadn't been on a date, we hadn't had much time to talk to each other. I remember one night sitting in my hotel room, and it was like the Holy Spirit kicked me across the face and said, what in the world are you doing? I don't want you to be here. I want you home. I want you to invest in your wife. I want you to invest in your child. I missed everything with Mackenzie. First two years. First time she rolled over, first words that she spoke, first steps that she took, because I was running around doing the work of the Lord. God got a hold of me. I started praying that little prayer, turn my eyes away from worthless things. Things I was doing weren't evil. They weren't bad things. They were good things. But I'm the only guy who's going to be the husband to my wife, or I better be the only guy... (laughs) who's the husband to my wife, and I'm the only dad for my three girls. And God can get anybody to go speak. There's nothing special about me. But I'm the only one that can be the dad and be the husband that my family needs me to be. So I cleared my schedule. I finished off all my little things. I wouldn't take any more. I haven't taken them in 20 years. I don't go anywhere. I don't do anything. I hang out with my family. I spend time with my family, and I don't have a single regret. I'm to love God with everything I've got and love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. And I'm to be the dad that God called me to be. What are are you shooting for? What are you going after? I think my wife just started that applause, to be honest with you. Uh, Now, now here's what's going to happen for some of us. I mean, because this stuff's hard and, and... there's a tendency for some of us, I'm not saying everybody, but some of us are going to nod your head and say, man, he's right. He's right. Yeah, yeah, he's right. We need to make some adjustments. We need to make some changes. And when this season slows down, then we'll do it. Now, Now, this isn't something you put off. This is something you do now because you don't know how much more time you've got and you don't want to waste any more time on things that don't matter, on things that don't count, on things that don't last. There's only one year on which newlyweds get that firm foundation of their marriage. You've got to be focused on that in that first year, don't you? There's only a small little season where the kids will run up and get into your lap And you read a book with them, and they'll say, read again. Read again. My oldest daughter's 25. She doesn't do that anymore. There's only one season where their teeth are falling out of their head. 
and they give you the tooth or you got to pull, pull the tooth and you say, put that under your pillow. Tooth fairy give you a dollar because you're cheap. <laughs> and that child will go to bed with great anticipation and expectation that in the morning the tooth will be gone and a dollar bill will be in its place. It's only one season where you get the opportunity to teach your kids to love the Lord their God with all their heart and all their soul and all their mind and all their strength before they've moved on, gotten married, had kids of their own. No, today is the day. Psalm 39, verse 4, Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. Because here's the truth. One day the grains of sand are going to end. And with the grains of sand ending, your life is going to end. And for most of us, we're going to find ourselves on a deathbed. You won't die quickly. Most people don't die quickly. They know they're going to die. They're in a deathbed. What's going to be going through your mind? Here's what I don't think you'll be thinking. Gosh, if I had worked a little harder, I would have been VP by now. I don't think that will have mattered. Man, if I was saved a little bit more, I'd have more money. Eh, you're dying. I don't think that matters. If I only would have done this, I could have been a big shot. Eh, I don't think you'll care a thing about that either. Here's what I'll be thinking Did I do good, Lord? Did I define what's important and did I live by it? Was I the husband my wife needed me to be? Was I the dad that my kids needed me to be? Was I wise with the time that you gave me? Did I leave people in better shape than the way that I found them? Did I leverage my time, my talent, and my resources for something greater than myself? Did I help other people along the way draw closer to you? That's all that matters. In the end, the only thing that matters is God <laughs> and your family, your friends, <laughs> your ministry, everything else. You'll never regret a single prayer you prayed, a single moment you studied Scripture, a single moment you shared Christ with someone else, a single moment where you were the hands and the feet of Jesus. But all that other stuff, we might have great regrets on that. So here's your homework assignment. Evaluate what's important. Eliminate what's not. Live for things that are. You in or are you out? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I've wasted so much time pursuing things that weren't worthy. And even working on this message, I still have work to be done. God, I pray that we would understand what's important what's worth giving our lives to so we don't look back with regret. For all the parents here, for all the single folks, for every single person, give us, give us a mind of wisdom 
to say yes to what is best and no to that which doesn't fit your plan for our life. Lord, we have one shot. And in the end, we stand before you. And we do have a desire as followers of yours to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. When all of our life's work is thrown into that fire on that judgment day, we want things like gold and silver and precious stones to come out because we used our life for something that mattered, something that counted. We don't want it to burn up like wood and straw and hay and stubble. So give us a heart of wisdom. Help us to turn away from things that don't matter, things that are worthless 10 years from now. Help us to leverage our life for you and for your kingdom and for the people that you've placed in our life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.